well, yesterday we did an interview. We were talking about the Murdoch trial, and they had the closing uh, comments yesterday, and we thought it was going to be a while before they were going to come back with a verdict. That was not the case. This morning we have legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum with us on the Murdoch trial. Uh, were you as surprised as I was that that verdict came back so fast? Yes, Janet, under three hours is almost record time. Um, but, you know, it's an unusual case in a lot of ways. Remember, he took the stand, which, you know, it was surely against advice of counsel. Um, but he felt confident that he this was his people, South Carolina. His family had long-standing ties. Um, and so, you know, there were so many elements to this uh, that made it different that I guess it wasn't that surprising that the jury didn't need that much time to convict him. Well, you know, we uh, we had a, a couple of listeners. For the most part, our listeners thought he was just guilty of sin um, from the very beginning. But we had a couple who said, well, I mean, we think he's guilty of, of being a bad guy and doing a lot of bad things. But they were convinced that uh, he hadn't murdered his his wife and and his child. But now a three-hour turnaround, That's that doesn't leave a, a whole lot of room for doubt, does it? No. Um, but, you know, they had their entire defense, Janet, was, I'm a bad guy. I'm even going to tell you I'm a bad guy. I'm going to come up on the stand and tell you that all the things that are said about me is true, except for one thing. I'm not a murderer. And, you know, jurors are allowed to make an inference that if you lied about one thing, that you could lie, you have lied about everything. Uh, and that's clearly what happened here. Right. You know, he took the position, you know, I'm telling you, look at me how honest I am. I'm telling you I'm a bad man. But I'm also telling you I wouldn't kill my wife and son. And they're saying, well, you know, you've told us you're a bad man. There's a lot of evidence that you are. Mm -hmm. And we have no reason to believe you for anything that you say. And that's really, I think, in the end, what was his undoing. Wow. Well, he didn't do himself any any favors, for sure, with that one. And he seemed to be caught in lie after lie, um, even on the stand. Well, the worst part about it, Janet, was the, you know, I I wasn't at the crime scene or... I was at the crime scene, but I left earlier, uh, so I wasn't there at the time. But then, of course, you know, this is like this was like an iPhone trial, because you know the 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 uh, Snapchat that his son that the, the you know it was a really extraordinary dramatic idea that the son who was eventually murdered it was his phone that produced evidence that his father actually was at the crime scene at the time right uh, at the time of the murder but again it's an interesting case you know the, they they took the position uh, we see this all the time on you know police procedurals uh, there was no evidence of physical uh, there was no physical evidence of a crime there's no blood Jeez. there's no murder weapon there's none of that stuff and we're supposed to be told Without physical evidence of a crime, it's very hard to prove. But when you have a, a mammoth amount of circumstantial evidence, is what they had here, it just shows you that, you know, this talk about, well, without evidence, physical evidence, they would never convict. But very, very often, criminal defense attorneys say that, uh, you know, circumstantial evidence is how many, most people are found guilty anyway. Right. And when you have as much as they had in this instance, especially with the lying, it maybe isn't that surprising. 
Well, I mean, it is pretty impressive when you think about it, how little evidence there was, physical evidence. I mean, that's that's kind of incredible when you think about it. Well, yeah, you know, we're used to TV shows in which there's, there's DNA everywhere, there's blood everywhere, mm-hmm. there's a murder weapon, you know, the very things that we're told that are essential. And that's so when you actually find nothing, right, mm-hmm. except, again, a lot of the lying, a lot of the backtracking of stories. Um, and, of course, you know, the one piece of evidence is that iPhone, which essentially was a tracker, um, but just putting him at the scene, you know, I think it was also important when the jury actually took a visit to the crime scene right. because, you know, they they had a sense of its scale, its vastness, and, you know, what, you know, given a sense of, well, could he have left here at time without him knowing? Is it possible for him to have not heard gunshots, right? Certain things that just started to make more sense to them by simply being at the crime scene. But again, you know, without physical evidence. On the other hand, this is a guy who is very sophisticated as an attorney, and they probably drew the inference that if anyone knew how to cover his tracks, it would be him. Well, he was successful doing that for decades, wasn't he? In many ways, he was covering a lot of tracks, from financial um, things that he was doing, and, and, I mean, that's what he did. He was a mastermind at covering. Yeah, and, you know, look, you know, I think at one point one of his former partners, uh, you know, testified, and, you know, he apparently was very, very convincing that I'm convinced that he committed this crime. Um, And, you know, the defense counsel was badgering away at him saying, yeah, but that's because you hate this guy, right? You hate him because he owes you money. Mm. And apparently he was very... He said, no, now when it comes to something like this, right. this, this is a whole different story. Uh, his wife and son were killed, and that's why I'm here. I'm not here because he owes me money. I'm here because I'm convinced he committed this crime. You know, one of the questions that we're hearing from a, a lot of our listeners when we discuss this particular case is there's still some unanswered questions. I don't know that we still have a clear picture of what his motive was for killing um, his wife and his son. So, right. That's another thing that, you know, people who watch police procedurals are going to walk away saying, hey, don't you have to have a motive? Don't well, you have to prove motive? Right. right. So, again, we're, you know, it, this, this case in so many ways deviates from all the things that we're told, right? You have to have a motive. You have to have some physical evidence. And in this instance, what you really just had was sort of a very strange case of a bad man's defense where the jury decides we are drawing the inference that this bad man could have gone even further and killed his wife and his, his son. And, and, and um, again, it's, it is in some, so many ways unprecedented, uh, this outcome, even again, under three hours, uh, given how long the trial took, suggested that, you know, they were absolutely unable to see him in any favorable light and so that when they sat down to deliberate this they they probably took very few people to convince that he was guilty and one more question before we let you go 
Do you think any of these these questions, the lack of physical evidence, the the you know, the lack of, of really any true smoking gun motive, um, do you think that is gonna help in the appeal process at all? Do you think he's gonna have any success at all with uh, appealing this verdict? I don't think he will. Um, and it's because appellate courts need to see an, a, a real error in the conduct of the trial. Right. Right. The, some kind of error that took place. What, what the appellate courts don't want to do is stand in the shoes of jurors. Mm-hmm. They don't want to say, we would have decided differently. No, they respect 12 people from the community who heard the evidence. And appellate courts don't say, well, we would have seen it differently. Um, you know, it's one thing to say an error was committed, right? Like, for instance, they were really arguing that the prosecution had done things, right, you know, to have created this, you know, this defense strategy that they needed because of improprieties with the, with the prosecution. Um, jury, didn't, jury didn't believe that. They didn't see that. So unless they can prove that on uh, appeal, um, the impressions that were created in the mind of the jurors, that's the kind of thing appellate courts do not second guess. Right. Okay. And so we think today he will learn his, his fate this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I think yesterday the judge said, I'm not prepared given the length of the time. time. But I think, you know, there will probably be sentencing today. Dane Rosenbaum, thank you so much for joining us this morning, getting us an update on the uh, Murdoch trial. It's been a fascinating one, for sure. For sure. It's been, we don't see these very often, but yes, it it was definitely something that gripped the nation. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Morning Jam. Thank you.